Hello and welcome to another edition of the Formula One Fans UK podcast. I'm Reese and joined today by Dan. Yep, the uh, the American is off partying. The Tim, as we call him, the Tim, because we don't know what the heck else to call him. He's uh, he's off to Scotland uh, permanently. Um, we think he just got stuck up a hill, which is why he's just decided that he's going to stick around there this time. And uh, Chris is still recovering. Uh, Chris. We are hoping that you'll be back with us soon. Please, Chris, please. Like, I've never wanted you back so much. Please come back, Chris. Please come back. I can't be that bad for company on a one-on-one podcast, can I, Dan? Definitely not, mate. We've done enough of them one-to-one when everyone lags out and doesn't turn up. Um, <laughs> personally, Tim, I'm going to put it out there, mate. Um, moving to Scotland is not a good enough reason. Uh yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've got free prescriptions, free education, not that you're going to use it. So, and yeah, you know what? You've got no excuse. You've got more time now you've moved to Scotland, mate. So don't give us any of this stuff that you're too busy because you've got your own place. That is exactly it. And uh, telling us you can't um, can't hotspot your phone on your laptop like a 75-year-old with technology, it's ridiculous. I mean, he is up in Scotland. I don't think they've got mobile data yet. Surely they do, because every time I um, go online, I always see a Rangers or Southwick fan chopsing off. So they're definitely about... Anyway, we'll get into uh, what we're here to talk about, which is both Monaco and Indy, which, uh, well, you can't exactly find a better day in motorsport than the Monaco Grand Prix and the Indy 500. I know there's some NASCAR race going on as well, but that's not really my my bag. Dan, did you watch all three races or did you just watch the two? Uh, NASCAR was cancelled due to torrential horrendous rain and is being run tonight, Monday night. Um, so yeah, we didn't get all, we didn't get the triple header. Uh, it's not like I missed anything. That's good. We'll start off with uh, qualifying at Monaco because, as you'll hear in another podcast coming out, myself and the American we're big fans of Monaco, whereas uh, Dan here is not. Um, but I mean qualifying day especially this qualifying day we had in monaco recently kept everyone on the edge of their seats sure we got the same result we usually get with Verstappen on pole but he had to really work for it this time that's it it wasn't a complete whitewash uh which you normally get from monaco but i don't know it's like it was better probably shouldn't say this because it's coming out but i i really enjoyed the way that it was heading and then we were just, you know, treated to the exact same setup that we normally get. There was potential. And then Red Bull said, fuck you. We're having it as we normally do. And then that was it. Well, I mean, it didn't exactly happen like that. Checo crashed in Q1 had to start from the back. And then you've uh, you've got the drama of Ocon going provisional pole after the Claire went provisional pole after Russell went provisional pole, and after all that, Alonso went provisional pole for, of course, you know, yeah, Verstappen to come back and take it. But he, I mean, he had to put a absolute belter of a final sector in. And uh, I know I say about uh, the Red Bull DRS, but I think uh, with the way Alonso was catching on him out of that final corner, when you see the comparison of the two, you can safely say he's going to be glad that he had that, because I reckon without his, uh, his super... DRS, uh, Alonso would have nabbed that pole position. Yeah, but the car, the car always had that. It always had that lap in it. I think 
it was just a matter of time. And I'm surprised they didn't put that lap in earlier. Yeah, gutted for Checo. I'm not. He's a bottle job. <sighs> he, he, he is as spursy as a driver as you can get at the moment, isn't he? He's gone from being the one that we're all hoping can win the championship to, oh, great, he's messed up this again or he's messed up that and he's had no answer for Verstappen in this. Or It's pretty embarrassing, to be honest. Yeah, admittedly. And then obviously it didn't get much better in the race, did it, to be fair? Um, but I mean, he was used as tyre testing for Verstappen when it was yeah, obvious but, that he couldn't get back through. But still having two laps put on you that is a savage way to be told by red bull you're nobody if 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 ever i've seen it yeah i don't think it gets much worse than being lapped by your teammate it does being lapped by your teammate twice good point (laughs) but i mean going back to qualifying the spectacle of it i mean it was the track constantly was improving throughout the entire session it was a case of it felt like last man across the line could be the one who sprang a surprise. And you had Hamilton and Russell both, you know, well, Hamilton scraping through in both sessions before putting it P6 and Q3. And it just showed that Monaco qualifying can be so unpredictable. And yet one red flag can really, really mess things up for everyone. And I, I know the race doesn't always give you drama. Uh, although this one kind of did. But I feel just because of that, though, qualifying is the reason you keep Monaco on the calendar. Yeah, but is it is it worth having it on the calendar permanently for 90 minutes of the weekend, realistically? Well, I think if you were to shrink the cars down a bit and make them uh, a bit smaller in size, I think, you know, you can improve things like that. And that... You look at when we had a uh, Logan Sargent, you can see that you can overtake at Monaco still. I mean, the, guy, the man got overtook five times in two laps. Normal overtakes. None of this DRS bullshit. I mean, proper, just normal overtakes. That's the equivalent of uh, Boxer Corsa being passed by a Lamborghini. It's like, Whoa, not, ha- I'm feeling attacked not, here. Did you drive a Corsa? <laughs> did you drive a Corsa? <laughs> I wasn't aware of that fact. But. I don't think you can use Logan Sargent as a as a test case in this particular case because he was wildly off the pace. It was better. Whilst Sargent was off the pace, the rain came out and you could almost start to see some potential overtakes coming because of the longer braking distances. It's uh of course when it was a dry race, Signs tried a uh, tried a lunge down into the chicane and uh, well it was never gonna uh it was never gonna work that one he, he ruined his race really by by doing that i feel like monaco it can deliver and you know being on the coast it can spring up this surprise rain shower which really really did throw a cat amongst the pigeons um i mean if it wasn't for the rain itself red bull admitted they were on the ropes because they were logging out on this medium tire and you could see alonso was starting to really gain on verstappen who was on much older soft tyres, and the rain came and saved Verstappen, uh, even though he, even he hit the barriers on multiple occasions. I mean, it wasn't quite the the level of Lance Stroll hitting the barrier twice in two corners, but that's the difference you get between you know Stroll and Verstappen. One wins your bets, and the other one ruins your bets. Isn't that right, Dan? Yeah, 
uh, fuck this little Canadian Muppet straight off the bat. <laughs> um, but no, you're you're right. Verstappen needed something. He needed either a red flag or rain. Now, obviously, they they were speaking about the rain coming, um, but I thought it was going to come way later than it did actually come. They were kind of the the time they were talking about. They were projecting it coming like fifteen, ten, fifteen laps towards the end. Um, Not exactly. I think it was what lap fifty was it? Yeah, out of a uh, seventy-eight lap. Yeah, it, it was a weird one because when they said about the rain, of course, Aston Martin were predicting as early as lap thirty-five. I think Red Bull said something about yeah towards the end, like you might get sent the last fifteen laps. Yeah, literally. Turns out the, the people last, who like, got it laps. Look, the people who got it right were Ferrari. Ferrari were the ones who said it was going to rain when it was going to rain, and they got it spot on. Mate, don't worry about rain. Hold on, let me just check out the window for the. Uh, no, there isn't any pigs flying. So although Ferrari managed to get one thing right uh, with their with their strategy, I I wouldn't I wouldn't hold your breath for anything more than that. The rain saved Red Bull, and obviously Checo got used as a tire management service for Max to test out what was going to happen when we clearly knew what was going to happen. I, I was a little bit confused on Alonso's take on pitting twice, changing tyres. Like, that one confused me. And and he was Well, lucky. he went to the mediums, wasn't he? And he was hoping the rain wasn't going to be as heavy, which, you know what, if he was able to long it out, it would have been the right decision. And that was pretty also sprung by the fact that Lance Stroll's lap times were nothing special on the intermediate tyre. But the problem being with that is that Lance Stroll's race was nothing special. Lance Stroll was setting these lap times whilst the rain was still getting heavier. And if Aston Martin had, you know, waited a lap longer, you never know what might have happened with the uh, with the rain. And Alonso might have been able to claw, in some, claw back some really good time on Verstappen because, I mean, Max had a ropey weekend by all accounts, hitting the wall on multiple occasions, uh, you know, Great, that's how you perfect a street circuit is by touching the wall to the extent that you can get away with it. But I don't know, it could have ended in disaster if it was a, a mile an hour faster here or there or you know, a degree sharper into the barrier. And yeah, he could have been in jeopardy and crashing out from the lead. See, I completely disagree. I don't feel there was any need to be on that medium tyre whatsoever. Oh no, he fucked it up. Um, you can see why he fucked it up. But for me... I would have probably risked the full wets and fucked that up and went to intermediates because of the way that rain was coming down. I guess I guess when you were technically a pit stop in hand with a chance to risk something, you know, it's not a bad shout. That reminds me of when Lewis used to try shit like that. I think if it wasn't for the rain, we'd have all been asleep by lap 50 um, waiting for the checkered flag. Yeah, we we were also bowed out by the rain since then. It, it made the race interesting, but you know with Monaco that you usually run the run the risk of as a spectator knowing that you're not going to get the most exciting race in the world. But you know, as Monaco Grand Prix go, if you look at the most recent you know races that we've had there, this was definitely one of the more entertaining thanks to the rain. And uh, you know, the only way it could have been more entertaining is if Red Bull had repeated history with their missing tyres. Or if Max had just put it through a barrier and ended up in the sea, that that could have been fun too, you know? No, you see, you can't do that anymore because uh, this is one of the things that annoys me about modern Monaco, actually. It's such a small, petty thing, but 
I used to love it when you get heading down to Portier and you can see the you can see the sea over the barrier just about as you're about to go into the tunnel. Now you've just got, you know, Amazon or some or I don't know, some brand of I don't even know what it is, some tech company or something like that probably, that's sticking their self up on a billboard because Liberty Media has sold out another bit of F1 history and you know saying it's iconic from it to uh to make a few quid you really are still bitter about that grandstand aren't you um what grandstand uh at the british grand prix oh uh what are you no no grandstand you mean the sorry the b- general admission the general what you mean where they tore down a big well they yes, tore yes, from yes, a big yes. area of general admission to build a fucking luxury housing estate yeah of course i'm a bit bitter about that but also as, as stupid as it is i just missed that I felt it was quite iconic being able to see the sea from the track when you're heading down to Portier. Now, of course, you don't. You just see some advertising barriers. I know it's been that way for a long time, ever since Jensen Button flipped Pascal Verline. But still, it's just it feels like a sellout moment. Speaking of going through that tunnel, what's your take on is it Charles? Richard, yeah. Um, Slam dunk penalty. It could have been harsher. Could have been disastrous it, as well. It really perplexes me as to how he thought that was going to be okay. Well, he didn't know. That's the thing. Ferrari failed to tell him and apologise to him. But, you know, what's the use in apologising to someone if it costs you three grid spots at Monaco and a shot at the win? I mean, that arguably took away his podium. That and the fact that they got the tyre strategy wrong. I mean, Mercedes nailed it with the uh, timing of the pit stops, whereas Ferrari did not this time. But it's like Jensen said in the coverage on Sky, there's always been a gentleman's agreement that you don't slow down within the tunnel just for safety. So I just I, I just don't understand what he thought he was doing or how he thought he was going to, you know, get away with it. Yeah, I'd say uh, it's become quite obvious in recent years that with this new breed of young breed of drivers coming in, these Verstappen, these Leclerc's, these gentlemen's agreements don't really seem to be a thing anymore. It always used to be a case of, yeah, you don't jostle for position in, in this part of Q3 or you don't do this, you don't do that. It doesn't exist anymore. Or you don't back up people on the last corner and create massive potential accidents and shit like that, which we've seen over the last couple of years. Anyway, as we were saying earlier, if it wasn't for the rain, Red Bull you know, might not have won that race because they were completely bailed out. But the question is now, you look at the rest of the calendar, where do you feel like Red Bull might be uh, might be beaten by someone? Because at the moment, it looks like they will do the unprecedented of winning every race in the season. Yeah, exactly. I don't really see the Spanish, the Canadian or the Austrian Grand Prix being anything different. Possibly the British Grand Prix, if Mercedes come on with a few more updates and the Aston Martin comes to something, that could have potential for a different outcome. I feel like the Red Bull Delta on a power track like Silverstone, though, that, that DRS Delta is going to be the difference um, there. I, I feel like Budapest could be one. It's uh, lots of corners, not many straights. I think it was going to be anywhere. Budapest is probably the one, if if not Singapore. And I don't know why, I just have a gut feeling like Zandvoort might not play to Red Bull strengths this year. Yeah, they're both good shouts, actually, to be fair. The tight sections within Singapore might give the opportunity for 
the likes of Ferrari, Mercedes, and uh, I say Mercedes because I'm really wishing and hoping, but more likely Ferrari and uh, Aston Martin to do something and maybe even capitalise on a mistake, uh, an issue, a wear and tear on a car, something. We, we need something to help us have a more in you know invigorating championship instead of max just checking out well i mean i don't know if they did it and i'm i wouldn't be surprised but yet at the same time would be surprised they didn't do it with checo knowing it was starting from the back i would have gone taking a whole full new power unit on every part of the uh the car that i knew was the next part caused me a penalty i'd be like well i might as well take that penalty now but i feel like this does feel that level of dominance that you had in the Mercedes 2014 season where they could go, well, we know we're going to need more engines, so Hamilton's going to take them all at Spa or whatever. I know if he took them all at Budapest and still came around and finished second, I feel like Red Bull could probably go this season, oh, well, we know we know that this is the case, but we're going to take our extra engine. One guy's going to take him at Monza, the other one's going to take it at, at Spa they'll both still finish second whatever happens providing they don't mess it up thinking about that actually now you put that into my head i'm quite surprised they didn't top up checo with some new parts i mean it's you can only do it once because you're going straight into the race but of course there were the times i think was it once that hamilton went took he took three new engines across three practice sessions to um get some extra parts in the way knowing he was gonna be starting from the back anyway Exactly. That's going to be the kind of risk-reward scenario that Red Bull are going to end up doing to just make it easier for themselves, to make it less uh, of an issue, because they're going to have all these engines, all these uh, parts in rotation already on, already in, already on, already been used, penalties taken. And like you said, there's absolutely nothing stopping them going from 20th to second, third, first you know they're still going to end up with a good chunk of points aren't they yeah exactly uh i mean they the way i see it no they're not going to get caught especially at these these tracks where they you know the magic they've worked with this drs if you've got spa monza even canada with these um the fact they got this drs and they got these nice long straights you're just going to be sitting behind someone picking them off because you don't get stuck in a drs train like the rest of them that's it because you're flying past two of them at a time normally if you're Max. Well, yeah, when you've got that level of talent, it's quite easy to do that. Talent? Fuck you now. Are you trying to, are you trying to bait me? <laughs> is, that, is that what you're trying to do? No, I mean, the guy's got talent. And, I mean, how many double overtakes have you seen Checo pull off this season with the same car in the same situations? Okay. I, I still feel baited. <laughs> Checo needs to go full Rosberg if he's going to win this championship. It's, it's slipping away from him. He's... 40 odd points behind again i think it is already is it 40 or is it yeah 40 odd points behind yeah which you know he's gotta he's gotta really step it up and get himself out of uh, trouble by uh by winning some races now and making sure he makes max's life very difficult because i mean what's worth more to you being a backup at red bull next season or having a world championship but i say backup number two driver i mean realistically i don't think Red Bull are going to allow him to have a championship this year. I know that sounds kind of tin hatty, but you know, that's kind of what I'm known for. 
I just don't see them. They like they they showed us at, at Monaco how much they value Checo. He could have got more out of that for himself, but he was chosen to be the test case for what Max wanted to do. Yeah, I know. Um, I just feel like Red Bull value wins more than anything, and if they didn't do it that way, they would have <laughs> lost that race to Alonso. And at, at the end of the day, they want the win more than anything else. And moving on, um, one final takeaway from Monaco was, of course, Mercedes had a radical new look of their car. Monaco, of course, isn't a place to bring such upgrades and be able to evaluate such upgrades. But one thing that struck a little bit of a cause of concern for me was that both Hamilton and Russell admitted to overdriving the car in qualifying to try and get the maximum out of it. Now, I'm not sure if that's down to figuring out this new concept in the in the real world, whereas, of course, they would have gone from Imola Sim to Imola Race Spec and, you know, on track. Um, instead, they've gone from Imola Sim to, to Monaco Sim to Monaco. It's probably a bit harder for them to gauge if the car is performing how it should be performing with these new updates. But the fact that they are both admitted to overdriving makes me feel like Mercedes really have not delivered how they expected to deliver with these with these new upgrades. It's like we spoke about last time. This is not your track to test your upgrades. It it just it simply isn't. I guess they were of the, let's just put it on see what happens. You're not going to have taken away enough good data to make it worthwhile. Why not just keep it for Spain? The reason for that was because they had to reprofile a lot of the car to make these new upgrades work. Listen, my question was more, do you feel like Mercedes upgrades have left them still a long way off the pace? Or do you think that they have closed up? Because this this overdriving comment makes me feel a bit nervous. And they didn't exactly get past Ferrari on merit, did they? They just got lucky with the rain and timed it correctly with the, with the stretches. So yeah, they got past the merit, but not the merit of the car. It was more the merit of the team. Yeah, I don't think it delivered what they expected it to deliver. Because if it had, you wouldn't have had two of your drivers telling the world we had to overdrive the shit out of this car to get something out of it it should have been there on raw pace you shouldn't have to be push 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 for something that should have come naturally to the car exactly but one thing does, that does come naturally is you know the answer is a question of dan where should you go to get your 3d printed track wall art from well in my opinion there's only one place that we should go to get our 3d printed wall art and that is apextracks.com and dan how do you spell apextracks.com Again, I feel like I'm being baited, but it's A-P-E-X-T-R-A-X-S dot com. Exactly. So for all your 3D printed track wall art needs, head to our show sponsors website, which is apextracks.com. Just also a heads up, until you have to say that on on demand, um, you don't know how hard it is to say 3D printed track wall art. <laughs> but, you know, we, we, we do muddle through. And we do get there eventually. Yeah, season pro here at saying the words 3D printer track all up. Are, are you joking? <laughs> no, I, mess it, I, I, mess it, I must mess it up I was gonna say, three weeks. <laughs> you, you take that back or I'm releasing a special episode of the 422 times I've had to. <laughs> all right, uh, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a seasoned pro. I'm just, I'm just, uh, season, I'm seasoned at uh, fucking it up. But that's why you have a uh, marvellous editor like like me to come and to come and save us yeah it's very very easy to 
take out the uh, the fuck ups from this podcast considering we make quite a lot. Um, anyway, we'll move on. IndyCar, Indy 500. If you don't feel like you've got enough overtaking from Monaco, sit in front of your TV for a little bit longer and you'll soon get to uh, enjoy the 500, which was a surprisingly clean race for around about, say, 80% of it. And then, of course, we had the red flag in the middle. And after that, chaos ensued in the later stages with the uh, with the accident involving Felix Rosenquist um, driving for McLaren, losing control like he did, um, getting up in the wall and then trying to keep it up in the wall, you know, being unsuccessful. When it came to it and he collected, oh, I can't remember who it was he collected, um, but it was a scary, scary accident. And not so much the, the fact that the car flipped um, or was hit whilst fa- or another car was hit whilst facing facing towards traffic, because these cars are designed to be safe in those situations. But the fact that a wheel tether was just sheared straight off in that impact, and thankfully, when it cleared the catch fence, also managed to clear the entire grandstand because we could have had a a, a disaster. Yeah, I think it was the front wing that ended up uh, severing the tether, wasn't it? Me, you, Tim, and a couple of other ones were sat in the chat going like, did it hit the crowd? Because you didn't see where it landed. Obviously, after they showed it hit some white car, uh, some white car's windscreen. And it wasn't until they replayed back the footage from in-car with him sliding across the racetrack upside down that I was like, shit. Thank God for that aero screen. Otherwise, that could have been a hell of a lot worse. Yeah, it was a, it was definitely a scary one. And then, of course, after that, McLaren, in what feels like true McLaren form at the moment in all forms of motorsport, went from, okay, so we've just lost one driver. So what will happen pretty much shortly after this restart is we're going to lose another one. Pato Award, he obviously had last year in mind when he went to overtake Ericsson backed out. This time he committed, got a bit of a squeeze, still had time to back out, chose not to, lost control, went up into the wall. Um, and what followed behind was also quite a bizarre accident. Um, I, I keep forgetting the names of the drivers because IndyCar's not really the one that I follow so tightly or so closely. But the sky blue car behind with the brake suspension, I was like, turn 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 and then just yeah just went straight to the back of pato i mean for a slow impact it was certainly he certainly got some air yeah but did you see pato had started to release his safety harness within his car if it if that collision had happened 10 seconds later i think it would have been a little bit more a little bit more dodgy but yeah i, I was the same i was like why is he not turning and then i was like oh the front the front's down like he can't turn this is just he's hitting it that's it. We've got a crash. But there, there is there is a saying in the United States that cautions breed cautions. It's become pretty true for Formula One. Yeah, it, it just it, it kind of went that way because the, everyone just kind of realized, like, it's go time. There's no more sitting around. There's no more taking it easy. Like, we've got to go now. And then it just, yeah, then it all went absolutely crazy. Yeah. And then, of course, on the final, the final red flag of the race was definitely another one that could have been avoided. We're just, just, you know, the basics of three into one does not go, or in his case, three into two does not go. Um, no one wants to finish a race under a yellow flag. And as Formula One fans, we know that, yeah, it's true. No one wants to finish a race under a yellow flag. 
but sometimes it feels like you just have to do it. And I feel Marcus Ericsson was really, really hard done by with the restart procedure. Two laps to go, red flag. You know, not a lot, not a lot of time to get the car up to temperature. And also, I felt there's quite a considerable delay in calling that red flag. If they called that red flag a lap earlier, I feel like the restart would have been justified with three laps to go uh, and would have been safer. Yeah, I was expecting that race to finish under finish under the yellow. I was absolutely gutted for Ericsson because I, I, I think it was you in the chat that referred back to the incident uh, with Max and Lewis about... It felt very, very Abu Dhabi 21. That's it. Yeah, you referred back to the, the Abu Dhabi thing, and I was like, you know what? Like, we don't need we don't need that shit again. I can't like my my poor little age and heart can't handle such disappointment. But I thought that Ericsson might be able to pull it off. But obviously, after the cautions, it was blatantly obvious that the the lead car was struggling to keep position because that draft was so so effective. You know, he did very well at breaking the breaking the toe. He did well to keep him back for as long as he did. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's the issue with it, isn't it? Because <laughs> he did as well as he, he could have done to keep him behind. But when he lost the place into turn three, um, that was it, really. <laughs> he might have been better served letting him buy into turn one to try and get the draft back on him. The race car drivers, they're not they're not built for that, are they? They 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 want to be in front. It's like front 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 win win win. Like, well yeah, who would sacrifice the first? Who would willingly give up first place on the final lap? Exactly, exactly. Like looking back at it now, it's a great strategy call. But when you're when you're trying to call that with the pressure of three hundred and fifty thousand fans looking at you, it's like it's yeah, that's that's an experience and a half, isn't it? I think it was enough pressure with the fact that you could have got an extra four hundred thousand through being a double winner. And I could have got £75, but, you know, nope. Uh, Lance Stroll happened. And Kevin Magnussen at the end as well. Also, uh, I had Ericsson to win. I had Award to win. And I had Rosenquist to win. So, you know, maybe I just might stop betting on teams and cars. And drivers to finish races. That was a risky bet. But I was like, everybody needs points. No one's going to go a bit crazy. It's, it's Monaco. Let's just take it easy. Bring the cars home. And then the Canadian wanker decided against it. And then he just messed it all up. Harsh, but, you know, fair. He did mess it up for you. You mentioned the error screen earlier. And I say one thing that also stuck out to me about the error screen was, though, was how hot the drivers must have been getting in there. I mean, the guys have like a an air tube or whatever it is just to you know try and cool them down inside the car um and try and, and just try and vent it because it is so it must get so hot in there especially in a day like it was yesterday in indianapolis it's normally reaching temperatures because they're in do they do, do do they do celsius or fahrenheit i forget fahrenheit they're normally reaching like well over 100 it's absolutely ridiculous because obviously we, we've we've spoke about how much you're muted, Reese. What I was doing, Dan, was actually I was doing a search on Alexa whilst you were talking. Ah, okay. And you was muted. <laughs> uh, yeah, they they use Fahrenheit, as you say. It's around a, they get over 100 degrees, which you know is 
is the high 30s, 38 degrees inside that cockpit, which is going to be unbearably hot. Um, I mean, could you imagine doing that at a race in the Middle East in Formula One having an aero screen? And whilst I feel like the technology for an aero screen is the better one, it's safer. And like it's safer than the Halo, as good as the Halo is, the aero screen you could argue is better. I know. I just I just feel like the fact that F1 races around the world, it is asking for the Halo to remain rather than having the aero screen. Yeah, I think for Indy, the the aero screen, the aero screen's perfectly fine. I think it suits it, it suits what they do. But for Formula One, I think we should definitely stick with the Halo. As much as I hated it, along with millions of other people at the beginning purely because the the aesthetics of the car was ruined in my mind but now i've got used to it over a couple of years and with with the issues that we've seen arise and the crashes and you know the amount it has saved potential incidents and lives yeah I, i'm definitely a fan of it now exactly i think whilst we say open real racing it might have lost some of its essence in the sense of putting the halo or the aero screen on we're reminded constantly of how everyone who complained about the aesthetics really had a narrow mind over it and uh, that we're all grateful for it now. And with that, I think we'll, we'll wrap up this podcast. Um, thank you very much for listening, everyone. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do check out the link in the bio of the podcast um, and you can catch us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Discord and, uh, and our messenger chat as well. So until next time, thank you very much for listening. Cheerio, guys. See you later, guys. Bye.